All right, biohackers, who doesn't love a yummy, creamy whey protein shake? Oh, it is such a treat. And I really love it as a meal replacement, post-workout recovery, maybe even a midday snack. So this is why I have to tell you about Puri Protein Powder. I absolutely love the bourbon vanilla flavor and the chocolate, but I think I got to go with the, the vanilla as my favorite. So it's smooth, it's delicious. And you know what else? It's pretty awesome that the flavors come from real natural ingredients like the bourbon vanilla seeds from Madagascar. And let's talk about quality because there's a lot of junk whey protein on the market that I would not recommend. So the Puree whey protein, it comes from pasture-raised cow's milk with no hormones, no GMOs, and no pesticides. This is because Puree's mission has always been to be the best at offering pure, clean, and superior products that, that support health and well-being. And what I think truly sets them apart is that they are fully transparent with their product testing. Every batch is third-party tested against more than 200 contaminants and certified clean by the Clean Label Projects. Not all brands can say this. Plus, each product contains a QR code so you can personally scan it and review the test results at home. I know you're excited to try it out. So what you're going to do is head on over to puri.com slash biohackerbabes. That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash biohackerbabes. And then make sure you use promo code biohackerbabes at checkout to save 20%. All right, let's get back to the show. We're digging deep and asking the questions we need to ask. Years of stress and not just emotional. I was depleting my body. I was malnourished. I'm working out like crazy. I'm eating all these healthy foods. How could I not be well? We have to get back to the basics. We can change the way our genes are expressed. Anyone that wants to improve their health or upgrade their health, they should be biohacking. My name is Renee. And I'm Lauren. We are the Biohacker Babes. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. The Biohacker Babes podcast aims to create insight into the body's natural healing abilities, strengthen your intuition, and empower you with techniques and modalities to optimize your health and wellness. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome back. This is part two of our sleep episode. If you clicked on this episode randomly and it's your first time tuning in, we are so glad you're here, but go back and listen to part one first. We reviewed all of the scary sleep epidemic stats, why it's probably the most important factor for your health and why it makes you hotter. And we are about to dive into our favorite biohacks right now for sleep. So if you didn't wake up feeling refreshed this morning or haven't been getting optimal sleep, we're going to give you some really great tips to change that. And you know what? Even if you are a great sleeper, these hacks are going to upgrade your health and performance because everything works better when we get the right kind of sleep. So here we go. We've made a list of our favorite sleep biohacks. We have eight. We have narrowed it down to eight. We could probably do a hundred if we really wanted to, but these are <laughs> yes. the top eight sleep hygiene hacks or tips. So number one, 
three hours before bedtime is really when you need to start focusing on on letting your body sort of wind down and go into going into this recovery mode. So avoiding blue light, avoiding exercise, food, and alcohol, which are all going to suppress your REM and your deep sleep. And alcohol actually is one of the most powerful suppressors of REM sleep. So noted for me, I do drink every now and then late at night. You should pay attention to that. Room temperature, this is number two. Room temperature should be cold, somewhere between 65 to seven, uh, 67 degrees. 65 to 67 degrees Fahrenheit. So that probably sounds really cold for some of you but they've found that this is the optimal temperature that your core needs to experience so that you can go into this rest and recovery mode. Any comments on that, Nays? Yeah, that does sound cold. I know I'm always working to get the thermostat down just a little bit more. <laughs> and I'm actually- It's so hard to fall asleep like that, but I feel like once you're asleep, your body loves that chili. Oh, definitely. I mean, I've woken up in the middle of the night and I can tell it's because it's too hot. You can definitely feel it. So then I got to get up and change the thermostat. So I'm always working on that. But honestly, I wish I had the chili pad. You want to tell us about that? Because I'm super yeah, jealous. Yeah, the chili pad. So this <laughs> is one of our sort of upgraded hacks. It's a little more expensive. We're going to talk about some free hacks and then some upgrade hacks. Chili pad is definitely an investment, but it has helped me enormously because I live in New York and regulating the air temperature in a New York apartment is really difficult. So the chili pad is basically a a thin pad that goes under your sheets and it circulates cold air, sorry, cold water underneath of your sheets. So you can set the temperature to exactly what you want it to be. So I have mine at 55 and it actually feels really, really nice. So I have a foam Casper mattress, which holds on to heat. And, you know, I love my blankets and I have a partner and also a dog in the bed. So it can get kind of warm. The chili pad really helps cool my core temperature down and I know exactly what temperature it's at. It's a great investment if you have trouble regulating the temperature in your room, but windows open is always a great option for air circulation, AC, but you probably don't want direct air blowing on your face, but whatever you can do to cool the temperature in your room, which will effectively cool your body's core temperature. And another way to cool your body down is actually to wear socks when you sleep, which is kind of funny. So do you remember Mr. Hathaway from middle school? Yeah. So in like sixth grade, I remember him telling us the whole class this. I have no idea why he was telling us this, but he said, if you want to sleep really well, wear socks when you sleep. And in sixth grade, you're like, okay. Yeah. Is that the end? <laughs> yeah. Like... Unfortunately, that's all I remember from history class that whole year, but <laughs> just totally out of context, but that was your takeaway. Yeah, that it. was my takeaway. And now all these years later, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I see. Yeah. So it actually affects your core temperature by wearing socks. So that is a free That's funny because that's sort of something I've just been turned on to recently. I cannot believe Mr. Hathaway back in what year was that? 1998? Oh my gosh. Yeah, probably 98. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up with one of my best friends always wore socks to sleep and I kind of thought it was weird, but maybe she also intuitively knew. So when you wear socks in your sleep, you're drawing blood flow to uh, your extremities, which is going to pull the blood away from your core, which will effectively pull your core temperature. That's the science behind that. So what a funny story. Mr. Hathaway. I loved him. Back to the sleep hacks. Number three, 
a big one, turning off your Wi-Fi, electronics, keeping phones out of the bedroom if possible, or at the very least on airplane mode and away from your body and your bed. So any kind of radiation coming at you is going to disrupt your nervous system and throw off that organ repair. Definitely. That's a big one. I know that's hard for people, but you have to get your phone away from your body, especially your brain, because your brain is, you know, detoxing while you're sleeping, your immune system is resetting. So you're actually more vulnerable to these EMFs during sleep than you are during the day. So that's a really great point being vulnerable. And that's powerful. Um, You can buy systems like EMF kill switch. There are like automated things that will just cut off your Wi-Fi, So you don't even have to fiddle with it at the, at the end of the night. It just will cut off. Yeah, and you can um, even just go to like Home Depot or Lowe's and buy a timer and you can actually put the timer on your Wi-Fi so you can have it like shut off at 10 p.m. and then turn on at 6 a.m. You can set it up to match your schedule. That's awesome. That's a good hack. So number four, darkness. Sleeping in complete darkness is optimal or the, as close to darkness as possible. So you can use blackout curtains Um, If you don't have blackout curtains, a great eye mask will do. You also want to cover any LED lights on your electronics. So there's blue light usually coming from a lot of these electronics. If you see like a tiny little blue light on your your TV or computer, that is going to affect your sleep. So they have like little stickers you can buy. Uh, True Dark is a great brand that also makes blue light blackened glasses. They have stickers you can stick on those things. But darkness really is key. I have an amazing eye mask, actually, Renee, that you bought me. I love it. It has like little pockets over the eyes so it doesn't touch your eyelids or your eyelashes. It's like a little sleep cave for each of your eyes. I love (laughs) that thing because I don't have complete darkness in my bedroom and I put that thing on and I might as well be underground. It's awesome. Yes, I wear my eye mask too. Number five is all about sound. Depending on where you live, if there is kind of this outside sound, especially where you live in New York City, right? If you have like sirens and things going off, you might want to do earplugs or even use some kind of sound machine. And there's a bunch of different ones that are really great, but looking at something like pink noise, white noise, even brown noise now, there are so many options and they all affect sleep a little bit differently. So you have to figure out what works best for you. I'm obsessed with pink noise. I didn't know about this. I think we both just discovered this recently. Pink noise sounds like the coolest thing. Oh no, remember I, so dad told me about pink noise years ago. And I'm like Of course he did. Yeah. Of course he did. <laughs> the biohacker. I'm like, Dad, I think you mean white noise. He's like, no, pink noise. I'm like, what? Yeah. Oh, there's also yeah. brown noise. <laughs> yeah, I think that's even Different newer. colors. Yeah. So pink noise is sounds that come from nature. So like beach waves, the air rustling, rainfall. Whereas white noise is more from like electronics, right? Like a fan or like a washing machine. What else would fall into that category? I guess all of those are pretty good. Man-made versus natural. But they all can sort of come from the same sleep or noise app. Really great. Yeah. So sounds important. And number six, avoiding caffeine after a certain time. And this depends on the individual. So some people that may be 12 o'clock, some that may be three, but just keep in mind that caffeine has a half-life of six hours, which means that, for example, if you have a cup of coffee that's 100 milligrams of caffeine, six hours later, you still have 50 milligrams of caffeine in your body. So you have to do the math. What time are you going to bed? What time can you have your caffeine at? But 
caffeine's kind of an interesting drug because it's actually just tricking your brain into thinking that you're more awake or more alert because we have these adenosine receptors in the brain that tell us when we get tired, but caffeine actually blocks that and tricks your brain into thinking, hey, we're awake. So you want to be careful with caffeine. It is a drug. And definitely look at how you personally metabolize it. You can do some genetic testing to actually see how you metabolize it. Like Lauren, we're both slow metabolizers, I guess somewhat unfortunately. But you can also just play with caffeine and see how you feel. You probably have experienced if you had caffeine too late in the night and then you can't fall asleep. So that's an important one to follow. Yeah, I always thought that was unfortunate that I was a slow caffeine metabolizer because, I don't know, I work at night. I do shows and that can be difficult sometimes to feel alert that late at night. But um, I'm actually sort of grateful for the challenge to avoid caffeine later in the day. But I'm jealous that mom can, she can drink espresso at 11 p.m. and just conk right out. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. So again, it is really individual. You got to just test it and figure out how it works for you. 23andMe tests, DNA fit, those tests can both tell you how you metabolize caffeine. If tuning in and just listening to your own body is not enough information, they can actually tell you if you're genetically predisposed one way or the other. Really helpful. But I like that thing you said about adenosine receptor sites. So it's reducing your sleep pressure, right? It's telling your body that, is it sort of blunting the sleep pressure? Can you explain that? Yeah. So it's blocking that sleep pressure, but the sleep pressure is still going to build. So your sleep pressure naturally builds slowly throughout the day, right? From the point you're waking up until you go to bed, but obviously it's much stronger when you go to bed. But when you drink caffeine, it just blocks it temporarily. But as soon as the caffeine is out of your system, that sleep pressure hits you super hard. And that's what that caffeine crash is. So all those hours that you weren't experiencing sleep pressure don't just go away. They just build up and then it's like exponential and then you kind of hit the wall. So you have to be careful with that. That sounds kind of scary. And that makes sense why <laughs> you really can feel like crap after coffee. So yeah, no one likes I love my mushroom crash. coffee. I feel like I can avoid that crash with the mushroom coffee, but it's probably still pretty stimulating no matter what. So number seven, sleep naked if you can. So the less clothing on your body, the less restriction, the more your body can breathe, the cooler your core temperature. Uh, anything to add to that, Renee? No, I agree. I just think it can really disrupt your sleep. I didn't used to be aware of that, but now I am super aware. So definitely take yeah. that into consideration. Yeah. It's just easier to let your body be cold with less on, right? So sleep naked. And our final one, number eight, air ventilation which I kind of mentioned before, you need proper ventilation in the room and it's great to have an air purifier um, or use an AC to cool the air, but you probably want to avoid a direct draft of air onto your face. Yeah, so those are our overall sleep hygiene tips. So remember that really starts in the morning. It's all about planning your day and getting your bedroom ready for optimal sleep. And again, we'll go into circadian rhythm in a future episode, but that's another important factor. That's one of my favorite discoveries about sleep is that your sleep hygiene starts first thing in the morning. I think that's so cool. It used to be my focus was on everything that I did getting ready for bed, but this is such a revolutionary thing that from the moment that you wake up, you're creating good sleep. It's really cool. Yeah. And if it's one third of your life, you should be spending a good amount of time getting ready for it, I think. 
<laughs> it's just funny though to wake up and already be thinking about your sleep. Hopefully it becomes second nature. You're not actually focused on it, but <laughs> I don't the know, I that you make. I know I dream about it all day, but yeah, so we'll get into that more about how to adjust your circadian rhythm so that you are prepared for a good sleep. Favorite hacks. Let's start with some free hacks that anyone can do anytime, anywhere. What are your favorites, Renee? Well, I mean, for free hacks, really just all the sleep hygiene stuff, right? It's all pretty simple stuff that you can Creating do. an optimal sleep environment, right? Yeah. But I would say my favorite cheap, cheaper hack, maybe not necessarily free, are the blue light blocking glasses. And I personally have this, oh, actually I have two. I have the Swanwick brand and then I have the True Dark brand. They're both really good, but they're really cheap for how much they can help your sleep. They're just these really sexy looking glasses that you wear after so the sunset. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, how easy is that? Just put on a pair of glasses while you're watching TV or checking your email, your phone, whatever. Obviously you don't want to be exposed to that light too much at night, but one really easy hack is to just wear the glasses. Everyone can do that. No excuses. I think it's a great idea to just start buying them for all of your friends' birthdays and maybe for Christmas, just get them for everyone in your family. So then you can be weirdos together. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I started wearing mine at the theater and now I have some friends that are catching on and wearing them with me, but you know, it's hard to be a pioneer in that way. Yeah. Too bad you can't wear them on the Broadway stage. On stage. <laughs> yeah, like the lights are too bright. <laughs> they are too bright, but honestly, I sit in the dressing room a lot because I'm a swing, and the dressing room lights are even worse, I think, than being on stage. So oh, I make sure whenever I'm sitting in the dressing room, I, I definitely have them on. And it has helped my sleep enormously. I used to just wear them when I got home at night, like an hour before bed, but I'm starting to wear them earlier in the night because what you're doing is telling your brain that the sun has gone down, right? So your body starts producing all of these rest and recovery hormones like uh, serotonin, L-tryptophan, and then melatonin, which comes a little bit later. So I think the earlier in the night that you do that, the better, right? Definitely. Yeah. The melatonin issue is super important. And I find a lot of people need melatonin just to get through a night of sleep. But if you're no. having that issue... Yeah, melatonin should not be used long term. But if you're having that issue where you need melatonin, you really need to be looking at the blue light. Is that causing the natural melatonin to be released too late? So some studies are showing it takes about two hours after you're in the darkness for the melatonin to really be released. So mm -hmm. take a look at that. And then Side note, melatonin supplementation, you have to be super careful. It's a hormone and you don't want to be taking it long-term. And it's actually not a sleep supplement. It's really more of a circadian rhythm supplement. So it helps to get you on that 24-hour cycle, which is why it's really good for jet lag, right? But we don't want to be taking it just to sleep. It can be really dangerous, especially if you're just buying it off the store shelf where they're loading it with like 10, 20 milligrams of melatonin. That's super dangerous. Some people only need like 0.3 to 0.5 milligrams. That's the magic spot. You don't want to be overdosing. Yeah. I'm always so shocked at how many people just take melatonin so freely. And it's kind of scary that it really is just on every shelf at every health food store, vitamin shop, even just like your local drugstore or pharmacy. Like it's just become a thing that's so readily available. And Whenever I tell people that it's a hormone, they almost, they don't believe me. It's a <laughs> hormone. And somehow that word like changes everything in their minds, right? They're like, oh my God, I'm taking hormones. 
but it really is that serious. Like, honestly, you should be testing for how much you need to be taking or if you need to take it at all. And like Renee said, it's better for circadian rhythm. There is a time and a place for it. It can be helpful, but we are giving you these hacks so that your body can naturally produce melatonin. Exactly. So, so sorry other, for the tangent. What's your favorite hack? Oh, I love... Oh no, I'm going to repeat myself, but a cold shower. <laughs> we need to get you some new hacks. No, <laughs> but it's free and it's so easy and it really does so many things. It does so many things. So I used to think that taking a warm shower at night helped me go into like this sleepy, restful mode. And I think it does. There's something calming about a warm shower or, you know, I'll take a bath sometimes with Epsom salts or different essential oils if my muscles are fatigued. But to cool your body temperature, like we said, is so essential for getting into that recovery. The cold shower is going to get you there much faster. So I guess you could take a warm shower, but then at the end, do the cold shower so your body can start cooling off. Because I've read something like your body doesn't actually get cold enough until like six hours into sleep. So if you're really trying to get physical recovery, you need to get your body temperature down like as soon as possible. So I'm currently on the cold shower kick morning and night. I love it. Um, another great thing is an amber book light. It's super cheap. I got it on Amazon because I like to read before bed. It's my effort to stay away from technology, which I'm not always so successful at, but I try to read a, a real physical book at night. And the amber book light is similar to candlelight. So you're not getting the blue light stimulation. It's red and I guess it's orange, some orange spectrum in there. Yeah, so amber-ish. Yeah, amber-ish. <laughs> in the rainbow, right? So I love this thing. It's super tiny, just clips onto my book. And there's, there's actually four modes of light. So it can be pretty dim or just a little bit brighter, but it's not going to keep you awake and it's not going to prevent your melatonin from being secreted. So I love the book light. I love it too. I'm so glad you told me about it. Cool. So yeah. other supplements um, that are helpful, but again, if you're going to try any of this stuff, please educate yourself first. We're just going to throw out a bunch and we will definitely delve into these more on another episode, but these are just sort of rapid fire, some things that can be helpful. L-theanine, GABA, passionflower, kava, lavender essential oil, magnesium. Magnesium is especially great at nighttime. CBD, um, L-tryptophan, 5-HTP. Really into be careful with these. I think even with natural supplements, you know, it's best to maybe work with a health practitioner as you try these things out. Like I said, even though they're natural. And remember that you can actually build up somewhat of a tolerance to these supplements. So just because something is working now doesn't mean it's going to work for you in a couple of months down the road. So that's where the biohacking comes in as well. It's just kind of playing with these things and see what works for you in the moment. Yeah, I've discovered that as a light sleeper. I'm super into experimenting with new supplements and I'll find one that works really well. I'm like, oh, this is the magic pill. I'm sleeping so well. And then two to three weeks later, it's just not working anymore. <laughs> so yeah. that's a real thing. You have to cycle. Uh, quality is super important, especially if you're getting into something like CBD, which is everywhere on the market now. Also like melatonin, there's a lot of dirty CBD out there. Cleanliness and the way that's processed and produced is is essential. So please make sure you know where it's coming from. We can recommend our favorite brands 
But again, we want to empower you to educate yourselves. Yeah. So CBD, CBD is amazing for sleep. There's actually a lot of research coming out about CBD helping so many factors in life, but definitely sleep. And I think mainly because it is basically calming down the nervous system. So it's reducing that anxiety that some people get before bed. So it is really helpful for sleep, but the controversial topic there is a lot of these studies are using 100, maybe 300 milligrams of CBD. They're pretty high doses. And there's also some debate over whether we want just pure CBD or do we want a blend of THC, which is the psychoactive component? Do we want a blend of the two? Right. I vote for no, right? We know that there are different receptors and they compete. Exactly. Yeah. So, and some of the research has found that maybe the THC can decrease the amount of time spent in deep sleep where, where CBD can actually increase deep sleep and REM sleep. Again, it can be different for everyone and it depends on the quality. But the interesting thing was I was talking to this biochemist a couple months ago who's basically studying hemp 24 seven right now. He's really interested in it and he's trying to create some new products. And I said, what do you think about the myth or fact, whatever it is, that you need a little bit of THC for CBD to get into the cell? And he was like, absolutely not true. He said, they actually compete for the same receptor site on the cell. So if you happen to maybe smoke some marijuana and you get a little high, he says the best way to get rid of that high is to take a ton of CBD because it'll push THC out of the cell. So that makes me think like, why would you take them together if they're competing? That's interesting. I, that makes a lot of sense to me because I've tried to use Indica to help me to like wind down and, and stay asleep and it not once has ever worked. And I've tried different forms different brands and it has failed every single time. So obviously uh, that science definitely rings true for me, mm. but CBD knocks me out. It doesn't make me sleepy. I actually take it before my workout during the day. It doesn't have a sedative effect, but once I'm asleep, that will keep me asleep through the night other than occasionally waking up because I have to go to the bathroom, but it does, it, it calms your sympathetic nervous system. So you have this actually have a balance between the two branches, parasympathetic, sympathetic. So you have this like homeostasis. And that's what I find is the most useful for CBD and sleep. Wow. That's amazing. You can take it during the day. I definitely can't do that, but it's a much lower dose. I'll do like one dropper full. So it's maybe 10 to 20 milligrams where at night I'm taking, I've been experimenting with 150 milligrams to sleep and that works really well. So That's definitely one of our upgraded hacks. CBD is not cheap, especially if you're getting a good brand. And please don't run out and buy the cheapest brand just to experiment with CBD. It's not worth it. The hemp plant is just a breeding ground for molds and mycotoxins. And if it's being grown on poor soil, you're just getting all these crappy anti-nutrients and a host of other problems. So uh, yeah, so don't even bother if you're not willing to go all in. So CBD belongs on our upgraded, more expensive hack list, along with the chili pad, which we already talked about. The aura ring, which you know that we have, that we love so dearly, because if you can't track it, you can't hack it, right? <laughs> I love that. Yes. Love my aura One ring. more, Renee. What's your yes, other? Yes. Our final favorite hack would be the human charger, which is such a simple concept, but super powerful. It looks like a little iPod Nano, if you remember those things. And all you do is, yeah, all you do is, 
you know, put it in your pocket, plug in your earbuds, and it shines this bright light into your brain for 12 minutes in the morning. And it's supposed to kind of simulate going out in the sunshine. So ideally, you want to be getting out and going for a 10, 15, maybe 20 minute walk in the sun first thing in the morning. But I know sometimes our lives are a little too busy for that. So this is a really good hack. You can do it. You know, I personally do it when I'm doing my makeup. It's super easy. Same. Yeah. Love that. So, so many good hacks. Yeah. I love that. I've discovered it works way better than a cup of coffee in the morning. And I'm, I try to avoid coffee because I don't want that cortisol dump. But the second I open my eyes, if it's not a sunny day outside, I will plug that thing in and I, I am stunned at how alert I feel after one cycle of that. It's so impressive. Yeah. So we'll definitely put a link to the human charger in the show notes. So if anyone's interested in that. Cool. So let's wrap this up. We have a few questions that we received on social media that we want to address. I think we actually answered a lot of them naturally, but I think there's a few other we want to get specific on. Renee, do you want to go through those? Yeah, we did a really good job covering those. But one more that came up was, what are some of the best biohacking devices for optimizing naps or meditation throughout the day? Ooh. We definitely have some good ones. Um, you can go as simple as just downloading an app like our favorite, Brain FM. It's only a couple bucks a month, or you can get the annual subscription because I'm obsessed and I do that. But it's <laughs> great for, you can do like a relaxation mode, meditation mode, uh, focus if you're trying to get some work done or even sleep. So you're just plugging your earbuds in and it's kind of magic for the brain. Yeah. I love that one. And that's using binaural beats. Is that correct? No. So brain FM is actually not binaural beats, which I think is actually a really common misconception. And I've heard the inventor of brain FM explain this a little bit better. So you can definitely go to the website to learn more about the science it's a similar concept to binaural beats where you're trying to balance the left and right hemisphere of the brain, but it is different than that, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating research. Binaural beats is another good option too, and there's a ton of apps that you can just get that. But I think they're both sort of focused on brain entrainment by putting different brain waves in each ear. You're, you're allowing the brain to go into different waves. Right. And that's why you have to use earbuds. You can't just play it through your speakers. Right. It's right, actually right. affecting the right and left side. Yeah. So check out Brain FM. Binaural Beats, you can easily get on Spotify. Those are both free. The Muse headphones, M-U-S-E, Muse is one of uh, our favorite toys. It's a headband that I recommend for people that say that they can't meditate if meditation is just a defeating challenge for you. I like Muse because it's almost like a video game. So the headphone measures your brain waves and it plays a bird like tweeting every time you go into this deep relaxation phase. And I have found that I, I don't know if it's my competitive nature, but whenever I'm really trying to rest and meditate, I'm like, I need more birds, I need more birds. And just simply focusing on the birds give me, gives me more birds. It's really incredible. So <laughs> I don't know. If you feel like you can't meditate out there, you need something a little more quantifiable for your afternoon meditation. Muse is an excellent tool. Absolutely. And then, and then Renee, you have the brain tap. I don't have this. Please explain. Yeah, the brain tap. I mean, that's definitely the most expensive of all the devices. I love it. I've only had it a few months, but it has taken my... I would say meditation practice up another level. It's again, it's a headphone set along with 
basically like eyeglasses, but they shine different lights into your eyes and into your ears during the music that's playing. And again, it's kind of like a meditation hack. So I'm obsessed. Brain tap is that one. Great. I love it. And those all sort of replace a nap if you're not a napper. But so just to sort of bring this all back home, definitely find out what your sleep chronotype is. Get the book, Power of When, or you also can take a free quiz online. I think there's a lot of amazing information. That's a great place to start. And then find a way to track your sleep. If you don't have the aura ring, find a way to take your resting heart rate in the morning, do some HRV testing, but you have to track it. And even if that's keeping a journal by your bedside and just waking up and, and writing the time you went to sleep, the time you woke up, if you woke up in the middle of the night, any factors, the more information you have, the better. So be your own biohacker, figure out what information and what questions you need to ask. And you're going to find some answers there on your own. So thank you so much for sending in your questions. This really helps sort of inform how we need to speak to our audience. And you guys sent some really awesome questions. It was really a lot of fun to actually delve into this stuff. So keep sending your questions. We're going to keep talking about sleep. As we said, it's a huge, really important topic. We're also really fascinated with it. So if you have more questions, please write to us. We will address them. We'll get into this more. We're going to talk about circadian rhythm soon. Renee, what else is to come? Our next podcast is going to be all about recovery. So obviously sleep will come up again, but recovery is going to be a great topic. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us today. We will see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. Happy biohacking.